Ohio Comic Hour with your hosts, Andrew Laundry and Chris Ramos. Tonight, we are reviewing Gotham Central by Ed Brubaker, Greg Rucka, with art by Michael Ark. And others. And a few of. others, yes. Yeah. Um, we're really excited to share this review with you all because um, this is a non-traditional Batman-centric world. Um, in Gotham City, and it's more told through the police and the detectives' perspectives. Yeah, the GCPD. Yes, and the unsung was, heroes. That was, Gotham uh, City. Like, it's always like this background thing that you know that always rolls into Batman, you know, and you try to figure out, like, where do they have a place in Gotham? Like, are they running Gotham or are they ruining Gotham? Or, you know, does Batman trust them? Do they trust Batman? Yeah, and it's it's not really that they trust him they just don't want batman taking credit for all the hard work and investigating and building up the case and then trying to go apprehend somebody and then all of a sudden batman oh can it gets the perp he saves the day and all their hard work was like oh we, we can't do well anything with it. Uh, and there's so many parts in here because this has i don't know 10 or 12 different storylines i mean it actually like you know yeah kind of jumps through quite a bit so you get sort of all angles but uh, pretty consistently, it's almost like they start an investigation or they find a body or something, yes. right? So they're like, well, here's a body. Let's do the police thing and yep. let's do all that we're supposed to, you know, um, SOP kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. they, they lock off the crime scene and they do all this. And then they turn around and like Batman's there and he's like, leave it alone. I'll figure this out. Yeah. Well, that's our job. And then, <laughs> so as cops, they're like, well, we still have to do our part, mm -hmm. but then it just turns into them after a time and time of that happening. Right. It turns into them just saying, I'll forget it. Then if Batman's going to do it, then forget it. So then yeah. they start just sort of like on one hand, kind of hating their job. Yes. And on the other hand, kind of hating Batman. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I would too. I mean, <laughs> at some point you're like... We did all that work and also, you know, it's that classic age old tale of like, do does Batman or the superhero of the time create the villains or does the villains create the superhero? Yeah. Um, it's that, you know, chicken or the egg kind of right. argument. Well, and what I really, really love about Gotham Central, first of all, it was this is my second time reading it. It was yeah. easily one of my favorite reads at the time when I first sat down with it. It's the premise is really, really exciting to me of just like, um, this is sort of law and order. And, yeah, you know, CSI, yeah. all your classic like investigative and, TV shows. And it came out around the time of when those um, shows were, were really gaining in popularity. Yeah, actually, that's good. Yeah, that's good. What was that. this, 2004? 2004, it's nice. Yes. Yeah. 2004 through 2009. Yeah. So you got a good six year run. There's 40 issues. So it's a really great, you know, collection and it it definitively ended. So it was nice sure. to see this arc of like Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka writing a completed 40 issue run and then just yes. being like, we're done. We're cool with this. Right. It's, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. And it's almost told in an anthology style where it, yes, it flows together, but also you could take any story and read it on its own too, for the most part. Yeah, that's a good um, point. So there was all sorts of different jumping on points. And in some cases they did have like a previously, this is what happened. So that way, you know, maybe say when it was coming out, you could just pick it off the shelf and kind of get into it a bit. Yeah. And like some of them were a three or four issue run. Maybe, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, block, three, I think or four, so. I think the four part, was like the longest it got. Yeah. 
which is kind of nice because then you get to change different perspectives, different characters, different because usually it's a cop and their partner. And so it's um, you can kind of, you know, ground yourself in two characters going through this case and developing what their personalities are like. And, you know, so it starts out actually that I think the opening. Issue yeah, of it this sets. So, yeah, we were talking about this in the great. pre-show. If you don't stick this beginning of this book, it's really hard to figure out what the tone is. Yeah. And just to figure out like what's the what's the driving force, what's the narrative and things like that. So they did a really good job of collaborating together, Rucka and Brew Baker to figure out how can we get this book started? And so it kind of, I think we're just going to jump into it. So it involves two detectives and they're out on investigation. They find out, you know, one of their perps is in this apartment and they're going in to investigate and they're supposed to find this like mob boss or, or a middleman or something like that. And they're like really ground level. Like that's what yes. I like about it. It's just like a dirty old apartment. They're both just wearing suits. Yeah. You know, you could tell they're detectives, but it's just like. The coloring of the book is really plain. I mean, nothing at first yes. seems um, too sensational. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't think of this as a like a, a quote unquote superhero book. Right. It, it was mostly like a true crime novel. Yes. Kind of and so they're kind of doing this back and forth. And uh, it says, oh, you got a warrant. If we had a warrant, do you think we'd be asking? Just open the door, Danny. Who is that, sir? Uh, sir, step back from the. And then they're like. Oh, no. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Freeze, in all of his glory and infamy, (laughs) um, open, you know, uh, kicks down the door and shoots uh, one of the cops and freezes like their arm and kind of upper waist side um, to the point where, you know, if you get like attacked by Mr. Freeze with his freeze gun, you're not really coming back. (laughs) Well, and like, that's the thing, too. So you have Mr. Freeze, who is a pretty big villain for decades. Yeah. Batman comics, right? And, you know, a lot of times it's the comics are told from Batman's side of it, or you just see Mr. Freeze, uh, you know, doing something um, at a large scale. Mm-hmm. You don't usually see him just in an apartment building. No, like, it's so ordinary. Yeah, and they're just kicking into the hallway and just blasting people. Yeah. The way that it's drawn, too, is like exactly like we we're saying, the, the officers just fall over i mean they're yeah. just like they don't know what to do no and even though he kind of looks like a an old man in like a glass spacesuit, you know it's still yeah. like he's still um a pretty big tier villain uh what am i thinking of his his reputation yes i think is what they immediately are like this is too much for us right absolutely yeah it kind of goes oh charlie you okay and then mr freeze goes no i'm afraid okay isn't a word charlie would be using any longer yeah because his partner he froze him solid head to toe yeah pretty much yeah actually and it was like okay um his partner um his only his like his hand and his foot and they were able to eventually save that part of him but um still that was quite extensive and it was just like it was a big like kick in the face for them we're like whoa yeah okay i kind of freaked out so and mr freeze starts breaking pieces of the guy who was frozen salad yeah and, like, just in case like oh you thought you could thaw him <laughs> out save the day nah nah i ain't doing that and then they go on to figure out like um why was mr freeze there mm-hmm. who was he after what was they, the motives? Yeah, they told him too. They're like, we're, we weren't even here looking for you. We we're looking for some kidnappers. Yeah. And Mr. Freeze is like, well, today's your bad, bad yeah. luck day then. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, so I, 
immediately you get the idea that yes, these are cops doing their beats and they're sort of doing their investigations. And uh, at any time they could run into a super villain. Yeah. You know, and right? how are they, how are they prepared for it? They're not, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not armored up. This isn't like, you know, they're walking around as SWAT team. None of them are super powered. Yeah. It's just literally what you would imagine. Yeah. A, Detective driver was the survivor. Yeah. Yep. A, a, a DCU or whatever, or oh, MCU, sorry. Major yeah. Crime Major crimes unit. unit. Yeah. We, we, uh, later on, they kind of really distinguished the, the difference between major crimes unit and then the rest of police force. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait later on. We'll touch on that. But yeah, so you kind of, yeah, go really start out the gate of just figuring out like, oh, these are just ordinary people in Batman's world. Oh yeah. That's a good way to put it. Like Gotham city is Batman's world Yeah, and everyone has a part or a play, yeah. in it, but their role is either very simple or you know corrupt or still trying to do good or just kind of over it all you know and there's a lot of people that do that um but this goes back to now that they had this major uh run-in with uh mr freeze and he's made a wreck of the whole apartment there you know now they just sort of are handling it on their own and what do they do and you you yeah you're introduced to two of the main characters Mm -hmm. um Renee Montoya and Christmas Um, Allen. Allen. Yes. And they were absolutely some of the standout stars for this. Even though all the characters had plenty of shining moments, those two are the uh, the ones they were like, we can tell the story of Gotham Central easily through these two characters. Yeah. And Renee, so we were kind of talking about this a little bit. So Renee Montoya was introduced in the Batman animated series. That was her first... um, uh, appearance and yeah. Bruce Tim created her for the animated series. I think just to give, you know, he he wanted a lot of those female roles and he just wanted yeah. to have like a, another stronger like police officer. Um there's been a lot of uh, TV shows including um Brooklyn Nine-Nine that okay. have that have based their character on Renee Montoya. Wow, yeah. I know that. So she, That's yeah. cool. Okay. So she is she's an inspiration for just sort of that like sort of tough detective girl. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, or not traditional to that right, too. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, she was super interesting uh to figure out. Definitely a complex character. And you just you, they keep adding more and more to her and keep really putting through a lot of trials in the ringer, just um not giving her too many breaks, I should say. But yeah. And then one of the other characters I found was Sarge. He was the very like old school cop we're trying to deal with new, new traditional ways um he was really cool we mentioned um in our pre-show that we were trying to establish the timeline of when this takes place mm-hmm. so you mentioned this was right bef- uh yeah. right after no man's land yes that saga after no man's land um can you give us like the skinny on that one so no man's land was uh an earthquake had hit gotham city um and uh, the whole city kind of fell yeah. into disarray. The police did what they could. Batman did what he could. Arkham Asylum was like emptied, you know, sort of all the the typical stuff that you see in, in like a Batman thing of like total anarchy everywhere, right? Okay. So then once the city was sort of decimated, they had to like rebuild. Mm-hmm. And a, that's a good way for comics to say, hey, we're going to 
introduce new characters. So yeah, we're going to rebuild. Absolutely. We're not just going to put everyone back in the same place they were before. Yeah. And some of the older police officers, including Gordon. And, yeah, and they, that was the big thing yeah. when I when you start this book and you kind of start reading about the characters like, oh, there's no James Gordon. No. Like Batman's like you know, guy from the police force that he, the commissioner Gordon, uh, one of his close friends and during people, well, you know, gone. That, that's the other part of it too, is a, a lot of times, like when you read comics, um, and a character sort of loses their, uh, powers for a while, like, okay, you know, Superman has kryptonite now, yep. he, you know, he doesn't have his powers or, you know, green lantern loses his ring or, you know, any, anyone kind of like, they take that one thing they have. So for Batman, a lot of that is, um, you know, Batman loses Alfred or yeah. Batman loses Gordon. You sure. know, he has a lot of people that sort of uh, are support characters for him. Mm -hmm. So in this comic, it is pretty cool that the GCPD is just a bunch of um, still seasoned officers, but also just, yes. you know, straight laced cops. But you get this weird feeling too that some of them are kind of like slimy and corrupt <laughs> and uh sure and, you know you just like feel like that but then you know you realize that batman doesn't really have a good relationship with any no of them. i think the closest ones he have were the characters we mentioned earlier of christmas allen yeah, and right. and renee montoya and even then it's sort of kind mm, of kind of their colleagues know. maybe yeah. not close you know friendship or anything like that and then this is before well this is right when robin went to Bloodhaven. Haven. Yes. Bloodhaven. There's a story that talks about that too. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> I looked that up too. I was like, how far is Bloodhaven from Gotham? And and Bloodhaven's 30 minutes from Gotham. So oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's close enough, right? Sure. Um, and for those of you who don't know, when Robin sort of wanted to grow beyond the Teen Titans and sort of grow up beyond like Batman's yeah. shadow, uh, so to say, uh, he wanted to be his own superhero and his yes. own person. So he is the um main protector of a city called bloodhaven yes yeah, so that would have been dick grayson yes and then there was i think jason todd was probably red hood by now or it was going to be yeah i, I would imagine that's yeah or the that's what they were planning and they kind of kept it a little ambiguous yeah too. exactly could have been tim drake um because we didn't get to um uh, what's batman's son um Oh, Damien. Damien, we didn't. No. Yeah, Damien's not established. This yet. is pre-Damien. Yes. yes. So that was kind of like there's a there's a Robin story that we'll we'll get to later, but um, it doesn't really establish like which Robin it is, so it is a little ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Well, and you kind of just you know as the stories continue, you you do get these really small touches of supervillains and superheroes. Yes. You get the idea that they live in that world, right? Mm -hmm. And that maybe they have glimpses of them in the sky or something, right? But you know, that's that's one of the storylines that a lot of comic writers put in there that even though they live in a city, even in Metropolis, you know, the, they live in Metropolis, the the city of tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And occasionally they'll think, oh, I think I saw a red blur in the sky. Right. Like, yeah, I think yeah. I saw Superman. Superman. Yeah, yeah. So you don't it's not like everyone every day is just constantly bombarded with superheroes, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a nice way to put it, you know. Yeah. And certainly not Batman. And um, this story does jump between like the day shift and the night shift. Yes, we are so talking about that's that. That's kind of a cool touch on it all, you know, where you get the idea. Yeah, the especially idea. like, I don't know, it, it's got to be hard or at least coming up with like a collaboration book. 
uh, working together with another writer to write a script, you gotta be really probably on the same page or either working ahead yeah. or trying to come up with like a cohesive story that you both can agree on. That's, I mean, yeah, they're probably good friends and that's why they decided to work together, but still it's gotta be hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, if you just sort of randomly flip through it too, yeah. it's mostly all of them standing in the police station a lot. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. That's just, one of the big settings. It's a lot of the banter of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, the characters themselves, um, uh, drawn by Michael Lark, uh, there's pluses and minuses to his artwork. Yeah. Um, we were, we were talking about that a little bit. Like, how would you describe it? Like just on its own? Um, I would, I would say it's like really, um, sketchy, like, yes. but sketchy, like with a marker, you know? Not yeah. Like, that's good. That's good. You um, know, not like a um, real yeah. pencil sketchy. Yeah. It's mostly like quick shapes and quick ideas. Like, Dude, dude, this guy has a mustache. Boom, boom. This guy has glasses. Right. Dude, dude, this girl has blonde hair. And if if you consistently try to find them, sometimes just the coloring gets lost a little bit. Right. Yeah, they're very muted. So like, you, yeah. You know, the main characters like red Crispus, and orange are like the big standout. Yeah. Colors. <laughs> and like Crispus is um, bald. It has a goatee. Yeah. Uh, African-American. African so you're like, okay, I, yeah. I know him all the time. Right. Um, but some of the other yeah, characters are hard to pull out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, well, what did I count? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. There's over like 25 characters. Twenty. There's like 23, 24 characters. And so it's, we were talking about he he does a good job of of making them stand out on their own, but you know we were talking about this like artist fatigue with mm -hmm. it. Where after about thirty issues, twenty five to thirty issues, uh, you almost need something or our different art just to break it up a bit, and uh, just to kind of leave it on its own, just kind of uh, power cleanser. Yeah, and bit. it it just it does kind of blend together because there's just lots of faces. Yes. There's just lot. You're, you're really close up all yes. the time. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, that's good. You know, you don't want to fall into the trap sometimes when you're reading comics for such a long time where you jump from text bubble to text bubble to text bubble. Sure. And you kind of like lose the art, you know, you're just trying to like read it like almost like a novel. So you're like, I'm just going to read the text. Do, 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 yeah. Text text. And you don't want to lose like a the, prose. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to lose that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's why I think when the supervillains appear and they kind of yeah. add that uh, um, excitement a, a little yes. bit. Yeah. Um, so like in here they have uh, Mad Hatter was cool. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Mad Hatter. Yep. He has, um, uh, what was he? He was in jail and he, yeah. he, they found his hat. And yeah. his hat has uh, um, mind the, control. Yep. Hypnosis powers. Yep. yep. And you come to find out there's actually two hats. One was accounted for and one wasn't. Yes. And so they're like, well, where's the hat? And that was like a huge deal. And they kind of do a great balance of putting ordinary characters that maybe uh, you wouldn't think of them as a villain, but then they turn out to be a, a villain um, or just get, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time deal. Absolutely. And, and uh, Joker's in it. Joker is in it. So Joker is so like, Yeah. And wacky. I would say that was probably the most terrifying <laughs> like story, honestly, from a, I know we've read a lot of Joker stories in our time. Obviously, Killing Joke is um, one of the huge ones. But when they when they finally do that story, it was like um, 
not a typical Joker story. And even if that's such a phrase, but yeah. he's like a sniper. Well, a sniper on Christmas, <laughs> and it's during Christmas season too. <coughs> that was a whole thing because, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the way I looked at that was, what do supervillains do on their like holiday off, off days? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, okay. The way that Batman is written is that the supervillains are always hatching plans. Um, and Batman sort of finds those plans and tries to either stop them or, or bring them to justice. Right. So when the Joker is in this yeah, soft targets, that was the, yeah, name soft of the story targets. Line. I mean, yeah. what a title too. So the Joker, um, yeah, just starts like sniping people. Yeah, and, and they don't even know it's Joker. No, no, it's totally random. Yeah, and, and he's like, going through like all the like a lot of these higher ranking like public officials. Yeah, and he's not the scary like um, torn up like Snyder. Yeah, Joker. He's just almost like a classic Joker of just like classical like he's straight up serial killer in Gotham and Batman. Um, makes more of an appearance in this but at the same time yes. you can see where the police after a while they're like we don't even know what to do right now like, yeah they're just they kind of they're kind of scrambling stale. they were trying to get the whole city on almost the lockdown or trying to get everyone as, as safe as they can or putting out warnings or trying to inform the city that this is a thing the only reason they know it's joker is because the he at when they would go to where they figured out where the sniper was he left a laptop um with some sort of like joke on it saying like um uh boy but butler or something superintendent of you know whatever some silly like uh cartoony thing gag and it was like what okay then or so you know one of them was uh like the joker left his symbol saying batman come get me and uh yeah who wears joko yeah <laughs> stuff like that and, and by the time that they figure out it's joker it's like they almost want to say, okay, Batman, figure it out. Yeah. Like they, at that point, you know, they, they don't like Batman. They don't want to use him yeah. as, as a member of the police department. And that's right. where they're trying to, um, stand on their own, own their Yeah. Work. They're trying to make this line of like, Batman is a vigilante. And that's, that's always been their story because yeah. as soon as they start embracing Batman, then they're sort of, um, encouraging this, uh, extra, violent way of doing sure things. and they're discrediting their police force yes yeah. and and telling people like hey do what you want but in the end um oh, it's a gonna, batman it's yeah. a batman thing yeah um so then they have um their intern uh yeah stacy yes so <laughs> i think stacy is one of the standout characters so absolutely she's a great foil for the team uh of just being kind of the outsider the brand new person kind of looking in she's like early 20s maybe oh early, yeah maybe 19 i don't mm -hmm. know um but yeah so she is there she really runs around gets people coffee and like does that yeah you know answer and the then, phones uh, yeah people where they need to go and if they ever want to turn on the bad signal which is still on the roof the police department is not allowed to turn it on because then they're again, going back to saying that they accept Batman's yes. methods. Yeah. Because it's like between her and the commissioner and it was kind of like getting everybody on the same page, like, okay. And when the cops or somebody on the team would be like, no, 
we're just gonna get Batman to do yeah. it. I think it was during the Joker story yeah, yeah. actually, like, where they are just like, no, we don't got time. We gotta, we gotta get some more now. All right, turn the signal <laughs> on. What? And uh, <laughs> so they send Stacy up to the roof to turn the signal on because she's an unpaid, off the payroll, yeah, not part of the GCPD. She's just this random person that works, uh, or that's just there. So she has no affiliation to the police department. So they have to tell her to turn yeah. on the signal, which is great. Right. And yeah, and just there are all the stories, a lot of them, and especially the Joker one or the Mr. Freeze one, they just end on a very untraditional way or some unexpected way, like Joker comes himself in and he just kind of lets, like, kind of starts tearing the police force from like the inside out. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, it's, it's good to note that the way that Brubaker writes, um, and, and Greg Rucka, I guess, uh, is that they're not trying to tie everything into a perfect bow and they're not trying to like, yeah. give a happy ending to anything. Mm-hmm. They're, if anything, they're showing that Gotham has no happy endings. Yes. And so when they're introducing these, there's no like final resolution. It's just sort of like, this is what happens. This is what these people deal with. Yeah. It shows them like, you know, the detectives going back to their home at night and just being like sad and depressed yeah. and like, what did I do today kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then either Batman shows up and it sort of ends or they just kind of dissolve and the villains move on with their life and the other guys move on with their life. It's like, it's just what happens. Absolutely. It's like a tornado, you know? It's right. Just, a tornado comes in and you're just left with the pieces afterwards. Sure. Now, the feeling of the book still is in the... And graphic novels like a like a crime noir story, yeah. But it's more of a modern setting in this Gotham Central setting, so it kind of is more grounded in that world. So I, I really enjoyed that. One of uh, another one of the creepy stories that you encounter is like Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent yes. has this creepy crush. <laughs> yeah, Two Face was really good in it. I really yeah. like that because mm-hmm. yeah. he still tries to appeal to his humanity and everything. Everybody always tries, but mm-hmm. no, <laughs> he just becomes a psycho. <laughs> well, and like one Very thing crazy. that stood out to me was, um, you know, the way that Two Face acts when he's like when Two Face is verse, versus like a person, or when Two Face is like versus batman yes like he's it's totally different yeah and absolutely maybe two-face isn't really like you know you look at joker and two-face they're not really like strong individuals you know, yeah not, i mean i i think two-face is a pretty average. decent yeah. average guy right but like it's the unpredictability of them yeah really absolutely people don't understand what's going on yeah because he can he had like he he doesn't really have multiple personality disorder but it, it's just one some it's just something that triggers him and he'll just go off the deep end yeah, he's <laughs> or like, is like scheming in the way he does about it. Cause he's almost in that mafia. It's like zero to a hundred yeah. like in a split second. And Absolutely. If you're not always on guard. It's like, you don't realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they kind of, and yeah, so, and you know, they kind of do different types of like detective stories. They do a cold case story called unresolved, which was really heartfelt and everything of just, here's this cold case story. Mm-hmm. Um, this detective wants to kind of, uh, just kind of wants to get on like resolve it, vi- revisit it because of just case like they oh, they went through a lost and found and they're like, oh, hey, what's this in here? OK, where did this come from? Yeah. And just kind of putting the pieces of this this tragedy that happened like a decade ago and bringing some new light, new perspectives to it. You that know, was really a tough, like a really good, but like 
And that was good. And that's about halfway through the run. And what I really did enjoy was I think, you know, if Brubaker was laying out this 40 issue art, well, first of all, I I bet they didn't know they were going to do 40 issues, but if he was sort of saying, okay, first we're going to start with the Mr. Freeze, then we're going to move into this next one where it's interesting. And then we're going to go back over to the Joker. Then we're going to come back to the, it's, it's like uh, the stories are connected, but not, but at the same time you have sort of, these quiet moment stories in between the really graphic ones. Right. Yeah. So, so I think in that sense, it was purposeful. Yeah. But they probably were like, Hey, let's write a story about, you know, um, how Batman meets the commissioner. They don't get along really well. Like let's sure. bring him down to that. Let's Absolutely. bring him up. To or, the- or you can think about it from the reverse of like, how would this super over the top villain affect an or- ordinary person? Yeah. Yeah. From that perspective too. Yeah, I mean, there's almost a thousand pages in this Omni and I think Batman's in like, 20 pages yeah absolutely um you like what he, everyone says. he's kind of like the elephant in the room yes like you know he's out there you know he's out there how is he going to get involved or is he going to get involved and if if he is how much is he going to get involved and when he shows up like i I'm it's purposeful at, yeah and he like still freaks them all out he still is like scary and and it is funny because you know they're all in suits and then you have batman literally standing there in, you know, this cowl and cape. And it's it's drawn the way that the artwork is, is like drawn that he's pretty, a, kind of a spooky guy. Like, yeah. like okay. <laughs> like all of a sudden he's just sort of this brooding right. thing. Especially right when Michael Lark draws him because he has like a shadow. Yeah. He's yeah. literally like his cape like covers his, almost his entire body. And he's, he's like the shadow in the room. And he's just this giant man standing there just yeah like, not creepy at all you know <laughs> and from the flip side of things you're like oh that's a that's a actually a great perspective for it he's just this like huge shadow in the room and he's either gonna be interfering or he's just gonna sit there and watch you tell a story and he's like okay then i'm gonna go <laughs> and then jump in when you're wrong yep you're wrong absolutely um another issue uh greg rucka and ed Brubaker wanted to tackle was Again, coming back to Renee Montoya is establishing um, what her, you know, going more investing in the character, giving her more background and stuff. And turns out she is a gay cop. She's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And so it, but her, she doesn't, per, she doesn't tell that it's leaked to the media. It's leaked to her, um, to her family. It's leaked to her, her cohorts in the, um, in the GCPD. Uh, and, you know, somebody giving that up and telling you your story like that, it, it was very hard for her and her parents didn't really accept her for that. So it was this like, how does, how do you deal with that? How do you move on or who leaked it? And that was a whole thing too. Well, and you know, she's, she's, you know, a decade into being a cop and, yeah, and, uh, uh, she was still really nervous about even talking to her parents about it and they, kind of broke away and started telling that story, which was outside of the police department, but also um, a, kind of a nice break to really ground her as like a, mm-hmm. a, a human being kind of thing. Yes. Um, and it was kind of nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little tense because you're just like, this is a big moment here. And they're yeah. taking time in a comic to take, take the time to tell the story. And that's yeah. really nice to give her some, uh, pages yeah absolutely um tell that human it's a very human story yeah and and this was you know back in like 2004 2005 era so it wasn't like a big thing like 
the DC universe or even comics like embraced right away. So it was just kind of, I think it was pretty groundbreaking for them to do it and establish that well, story. Well, and so I, I think it was really nice that they put it in there. That wasn't just like a, a tool that they said, aha, let's, let's put this in. Now Absolutely. the whole story is going to change. They didn't do that. And they didn't put it in as some sort of like, um, vengeful moment or anything like that. Like they still paid a good amount of, um, um, justice to that topic. Absolutely. Um, and they revisit her and her girlfriend. Yeah. And a few times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, they grow in a, you know, better relationship with Christmas Allen and his wife. And they kind of bond over that, you know, that detective life and living with them, you know, out on the streets and how, how do they deal with it at home? And when something happens, you know, I was like, Whoa, okay. They're there for each other. So you get this, you get this relatability and you can kind of invest in those characters. Yeah. And you know, as much as the super villains are making havoc and, and you know, there's quite a few times where some of the stories just ended as, well, this is Gotham. It's just what it is. So you do kind of like constantly get this sort of bummer of a man. Yeah. It's Gotham. Well then Renee's story kind of you start rooting for some of these characters. Yeah. So you're like, hey, it's Gotham, but look, you guys are doing all right, you know? And mm-hmm. and uh uh Brubaker has a really good way of yeah. building up characters and sure. so you start rooting for them. And then of course he just like breaks them down. But that's just part of good storytelling too. Yeah. It'd be uh it'd be interesting to see how much how much like one put into the other or how much collaboration or what that process was like. Um between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. I know like some of them like did their own solo series or solo stories in here. Um, but you know, collaborating and like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do here. And we talked about that day night shift kind of balance. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was super cool. Uh, they introduced a, a new commissioner, which he had to figure out how to, he was kind of like this really tough guy and you know, no nonsense and trying to figure out, you know, when to be flexible and not. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to be the straight lace guy. He's like, Oh, it's going to be a little hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was super interesting. Well, and he takes down the, um, bat signal. Yeah. That was a huge deal. Cause so like, well, you can't do that, man. He's like, yeah. watch me yep. take it down. As much as people say that they, they don't want to acknowledge it. Um, I think when you're working in the police department, there's some comfort that it's on the roof. Yeah. Like, okay. We've got this ace up our sleeve and if we really need to ever use it, we can use it. Right. And when they turn it on, you know, Batman does show up. So it's yes. not like a thing. Almost just, too quick. He's like, <laughs> right there. Pow. Hello. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of times they just, uh, you know, have it, I think as in the back of their mind, like, okay, if this gets beyond us or if they're doing some, you know, detective work and they, they're like, well, I don't know who's out there. And then they're like, Oh, it's, it's the penguin. No. Uh, <laughs> as soon as that kind of comes up as a topic, I think in their mind, they're probably like, turn the signal on. Like, right. This right. is beyond us. Mm-hmm. This is like, it's a thing that's just beyond you. Sure. Um, and, yeah. and one of the, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. And it was cool. Like when they really needed somebody that wasn't Batman, but had a lot of experience, they went to Harvey Bullock at one point, yes. he comes back because <laughs> I guess he was kind of asked because he did some shady dealing on kind of like a, like a corruption side of things where you got, he paid off or somebody or whatnot, or he had to pay somebody for a hit, uh, for more information or something like that. He had to use his underworld connections. 
to get yeah. something done. When, Bullock uh, was like that weird anti-hero. Yeah, um, absolutely. Detective. Yeah. He was great in the animated series. He was really good. Yeah. So, but going from what he was in the animated series to this, he kind of really fell on some hard times after he left. Like he kind of became more of a, just more of a drunk. Yeah. And really just this like kind of got a little scummy and he was just really down on himself because he couldn't be working anymore. Well, I mean, he didn't know what else, else to do. Yeah. What else was he qualified? I mean, that's yeah. just, that's who he is. Exactly. He's just a tough beat cop. Yeah. And- so when he actually becomes useful, finds a way to become useful again, he's like, okay, fine. I will help. You know, I will, I'll be the, uh, um, kind of like the, not contact, but like just, um, consultant. There you go. He liked being the consultant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get answers. Don't yep. ask me how, yep. but I'm going to get them for you. Right. But, still, but he, they still ground him with that same humor, uh, just that rough humor. And I love that capturing. That was so good. Um, we also do get to see like, uh, so a few people from, you know, Batman's rogues gallery and things like that. Like, um, Catwoman. That was really cool to bring her back in. Huntress was in here. We went back oh, to her right. yep. her mob family. We got some ties in with um, actually the Flash's Rogue Gallery. Um, some uh, Doctor Alchemy. I didn't know who he was, but I was like, "Hey, that's kind of a cool thing." Like he comes Neither over. Neither did I, but they played him off really well. Yeah, too, he just fit in really line. well. Like he isn't like a over the top villain, but he's kind of very scummy and like all the Batman's row gallery. So, Hey, he fits yeah. in great. <laughs> um, you know, he gets in a vet. Well, and it's kind of like, um, a lot of Batman's villains or especially the Joker, you know, they fell in a vat of acid. Hey, we don't want to, we already told the Joker story. We're going to do something else. Yeah. We're going to go over here and take this weird Dr. Alchemy guy out and, um, kind of see where that goes. And Poor. then the, was it the black spider? Is that what it is? Oh, yeah, yeah. that was weird. Yeah, yeah. Was I think, weird. I don't know if that was an original one or where he comes from, but that was interesting, you know, trying to give like this regular guy like this uh, weird costume he just finds. Or Firefly. That yeah. was like somebody found a Firefly costume that he bought off the internet. <laughs> well, and the, so the interesting thing about that was, um, so black spider, yeah, he, he, he um, got shot and everything yeah. like that. And, uh, the police are collecting evidence, and w- one of the characters, Corrigan, yes. um, is not introduced, but you start seeing that he's this right off the bat. Yeah. He was like, okay, you see his name coming back. Yes, and- like Corrigan was a big. So he is sort of like the linchpin, corrupt, yes. slimy cop, and yeah. he fits all of those sure. uh, tropes that you would imagine, yeah. and at the same time the you you kind of wonder just how dangerous he can get which turns out to be very dangerous but yeah he's selling he takes things. all the uh, evidence yes yeah <laughs> and he sells them and then he like charges cops to like do cover-ups and stuff too so yeah he's almost like the new version of bullock is how i saw him because mm, interesting like, like harvey bullock like he would pay off a mobster to get information right sure well this new guy sells evidence and he he charges people to like cover up, cover up. Yeah. The, so the villains to cover up or kind of doing it yeah. on that side too. So, mm-hmm. but he's, he's more techie. I mean, he's selling things online and stuff like that. So I don't yeah. think Bullock would do that. Right? No, I think, yeah, it's almost like one step closer or things like that. Absolutely. Um, we also get to see like poison Ivy, but she was, I almost wish that she was more, um, of a, a featured villain or, or more purposeful besides this one shot, but that's okay. 
Um, yeah, what she did was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see her more as like a normal person. Yeah. Um, where some of the others are like, and well, she's more yeah. environmental justice and things like yeah. that. So, um, it was just, it was all right story and all, but we do get to see her. So it was almost like all these characters that he's using for villains or heroes or things like that. They're almost like cameo appearances. Right. Like, um, like, Hey, I'm going to write this story that doesn't have to have them, but it's cool that they pop in. Yes. Um, and then it leads into the dead Robin story. Yeah, that's probably a good note to end on. Absolutely. Um, I think so that the dead Robin story, we were kind of hinting earlier in the show where, um, they find a dead Robin, uh, or actually no. Yeah. I think it starts out. Yeah. Cause that's part two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dead Robin just kind of, uh, falls out of a building. Boom. Yeah. Dead. They, they find a boy in the Robin, Robin costume, costume and of course the police are like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, like oh, oh. Uh, does Batman know? I don't know. Do, do you think Batman knows? I don't know. You're going to tell him? Uh, I ain't going to tell him. <laughs> try, try to step back from it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or they kind of like, we got to play this out. Um, when do we get him involved? And so they're kind of doing that and they find out it's just an ordinary boy, <laughs> but they, a 15 year old guy. You know? The cool part with that too was like, number one, um, He's obviously in a costume and sometimes some of the other ones were in costumes and the cops were like, oh gosh, another costume. But then they're like, oh boy, you know, it's it's the Robin, you know? And they do question like, is this his Robin, you know? Yes. And there was a really funny, I I don't know if I, I kind of bookmarked some things, but there was one really funny one like, well, maybe he just committed suicide. And, you know, yeah, like, like, what? and one guy goes, well, he does work with Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, geez, you know, but um the justice league uh, i'm sorry not uh, the justice titans league, the titans show yeah, up yeah i was and like all that right that was I, cool that yeah. was really cool because that's paying attention to continuity to yep. you know his uh, robin's history it's like a crossover but not you know yeah absolutely and they're only like in like we said like a couple pages but you know they're very purposeful um but the way they did a good job was they sort of walked the titans into the police department yeah. and the officers had different reactions to each yeah. of them. And then what was it? Starfire came oh, in. Oh like, yeah. No one, uh, and all like the guys like, well, yeah, no one could even talk. Even, <laughs> even Renee. Yeah. Even <laughs> is like, mm, okay. But, like, Raven was like spooky and like, yes. freaking everyone out. And so it was just, it's just, I like those moments in comics where everyone is reacting differently to the situation. Right. You can't imagine everyone to just, react the exact same way mm-hmm. um because each each character each comic book character um sort of has that gravitas that they should that should be different you know absolutely um, and they've played on that a little bit in some like uh, other dc comics where um like uh like plastic man and like yeah a wonder woman appears you know is actually i think they even make that comment about um <laughs> starfire is like wow, she's gorgeous. And then one person's like, yeah, you should see Wonder Woman. Because it's just sort of, it's that idea of gods among men. Absolutely. The way that people are reacting. Yeah. Um, And you... Yeah, you should see Wonder Woman. It does a good job of keeping you in the story, but then realizing that there are beings out there that are way beyond this cop level. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's cop level. Then there's the next level up. Then there's cosmic level. I mean, it's just, there are superheroes that are uh, gods among men yeah, literally absolutely well and then you know 
they both the uh, because this was one of their collab stories that um, they put they gave the Titans dialogue that they would say they wouldn't like um, go outside of you know something that wouldn't fit their characters. Oh right, right. They kept the same tone of how they would react. And the big overarching thing in the story that they they did really well was the real Robin didn't directly speak to the cops. Yes, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so and the cops respected his identity, like secret identity enough to be really sensitive about it. They didn't know who Dick Grayson was or the Robin at the time. Yes. But they knew that if they would find out that identity, that uh, that's got to be really hush-hush or keep it sensitive. So then when, you know... Uh, the crime scene photos get leaked out to the media. That was such a huge like left twist. They're yes. right. Like what? <laughs> so that was uh it was a very huge moment. Cause then you're then instead of just investigating about the Robins, you also have to figure out who is leaking this information to the press. And even Batman was like, that's not Robin. He's in Bloodhaven. Yeah. Like, like he so just knows. Like, he just yeah. like, that's where he is. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, end of story. Okay, I guess. Yeah, you know? so because they needed that reputable source of who can vouch for Robin, who can give him the alibi. If he can't himself say that to us, who's creditable? Yeah. So, it kind of answers all those questions that you never thought to ask. <laughs> and then he meets Stacy on the roof. That part was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like Stacy yeah. was just like, that's where her character um, is this cool little buffer on the side. Like, like, She's she has no um she has no role to play. She has no like narrative to no. To she's a she's, still a supporting character. Yeah, but she's like uh, uh in that storyline. Yeah, 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 in that storyline, all the cops are there saying, "Oh, we're detectives and we're yeah. like, And then you have everyone else, and then you just have her being like, "I know the truth." Yes, but she she likes to just sort of keep that to herself because um, whether they were giving her. Um, the time of day earlier or not, she just mm -hmm. feels like, well, I know what's going on. And she kind of like empowers herself with yeah. that. Like that was cool. Well, and I think she is the the one that was the most purest or the most innocent out of all of them because of, you know, who she is and what yeah, role she has. Yeah, she's not corrupted. Yeah, she's right, not right. corrupted. She's not in the trenches. She's not in the field so much. Um, so she can be this outside perspective looking on everything. And that's a that's an important role to have, especially in the story of detectives, hard, yeah. hard uh, chaos and everything. It's really good to have that character just um, kind of outside of everything. And so, not to spoil it, yeah. but because I don't want to, but there are moments in here where you get um, everyday people that do horrendous crimes, and they are doing it when the cops interrogate them. They say yes. they're doing it to be part of. Batman's world, like be part of the super yeah. villain world. Like, yeah, there was who, one. Yeah, there was one character that was like that. They yeah. want to be a super villain. So they're right. like, what do I have, I have to, to do to, to get, get on my, Batman's radar? Yeah, I want to get my name on the list. I want yeah. people to, to, you know, think like, oh, Mad Hatter. Oh, wow. They, they want their name mm -hmm. uh, as part of that. And again, that kind of they, they toy with it a little bit of like, if there's just people instead of just doing regular crimes, they're trying to do a sensational crimes because they want to be involved with Batman and his super villains. Sure. Well, now it turns into Batman. Are you creating these villains? Yeah. You know, like we started we, out, like is, we started out yeah. that's, and that's exactly what they play on a little bit. They don't go into it too much, but you know, as a reader, you're thinking about it like, yeah, I mean, that's sort of one of the, the narratives that are always, um, you know, kind of brought up is that, 
does Batman create supervillains or do supervillains feed yeah, Batman? Batman? Like, is is it the other way? Yeah. Which way is it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of after reading this, I think it's kind of Batman who feeds the villains. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, you know, <laughs> he adds that crazy factor that they're just, you know, the cops are doing what they're supposed to do. Actually, if you took Batman out of this, it'd yeah. be a good cop story. Yeah, um, absolutely. But Batman being involved, yeah, does add this like, weirdo weirdness to it yeah absolutely um what were i guess if you had to pick one story one to two stories out of this um what were some of your favorites um i mean i really 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 like the beginning with mr freeze just yeah. because i think that he is such a good villain that isn't used very much sure um i really like the two-face story because i two stories or two Face is one of my favorite villains um and I thought they did him justice. And that's, you know, a lot of the storylines in here. Yeah, those um, two are like, they're really hard to write, yeah. I would think. Like they do them justice and that's what it is. And then they have some rando guys in here, you know, which is cool to see like you never know what's going to happen. But for the most part, being a cop in Gotham, um, <laughs> you get the idea that every single day is just wacky way yes. out there. Like it's going to break you no matter how tough you are right and uh and there are there are moments too where they even comment they're just like hey this isn't metropolis you know like you just have to put up with gotham is a terrible place yeah um but yeah i really like the two-faced story um i also just really like the dead robin story i just yeah. thought that was really well laid out um it's, and that's probably one of the standout stories that people will always point to is hey this dead robin story was really good sure um and then, of course, the way that they end this book, which we won't tell uh, you. We won't. we won't tell you, but <laughs> it's just a perfect ending to this. It's just, yeah. I think, um, setting the tone and keeping that tone, this, there's no other way to end it. And then it, it, it makes you want to see what either A, these characters did, or B, just keep reading more about Batman's world after that point. Yeah, I mean, they could... They could um, in a really uh, slick, cool way, they could turn this into a great TV show. Yeah, I think but it's it would, been always be picked so up, but nobody, yeah. It would be so tough to not venture off of this. You have to stay within these, you have to stay on this railroad. Um, but yeah. like people, they would want to be like, all right, now today we're going to, you know, take to the skies with Superman. It's like, no, you got to stay with the police department, you know? Right. So, that's always the temptation when like yeah. they make um, And there's been so many TV attempts to do that, but then, you know, when they did Gotham, it was more about um James Gordon and Young Bruce kind of took that over. Yeah, it was or, like an origin story. Yeah, Gotham you know. Knights was some weird, you know, what happens when Batman's gone, you know, Titans, you know, what ha what happens when Batman's retired or dead. Well, or, like even the Supergirl, you know, like there Supergirl, was, yeah. They started they started really ramping up the actual like Supergirl fighting supervillain storyline. Yeah. And they kind of got away from her just being like a normal uh sure or Batwoman even. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Batman's more ordinary. She has more cast to play with, but um it was still like, okay, when's the superheroic's gonna happen? Right. You really have to establish like really good detectives and really strong detectives as well if you're gonna do it. Yeah. And that's what this story does do well. It's like these are the detectives, this is the the PD. 
yes, there's superheroes out there, but you're not reading this for that. No. You're really reading it for them. And the characters yeah. are done really well. Um, sure. Of course, we're a big fan of Brubaker. We're a big fan of no, Greg, Greg Rucka. Rucka. Yeah. We're a big fan of Michael Lark's art. I mean, it's just a really, it's an, it's a, Easy read, quick read. Yes, you know? absolutely. The pace is really fast. Mm-hmm. So sometimes trying to slow yourself down to absorb what's happening um, is important because you're like, oh, it goes really fast, but you're like, you got to kind of absorb like the importance of what's happening and just like, whoa, okay, somebody just got frozen half their body. Yeah. Or, hey, you know, Joker's really going after these people or um, they're going to Arkham. Arkham's like still, even though Batman considers it like, oh, they kind of go in and out. He's busting in there anyway. God, uh, Arkham is still a scary place yeah, to go right. to. You don't just, oh, hey, we're going to skip down to the insane asylum. <laughs> and, you know, my my parting thought here would be if you really did like this story, if this is your first reading of Ed Brubaker, um, a lot of his series, yeah. his writings, um, even Greg Rucka's writings, yep. they're very similar to this. So if you really did like this kind of uh, pacing and storyline and sort of slow build of, of uh, suspense and, and resolution, um, their criminal series and yep. Greg Rucka does. Yeah, uh, he Wonder does a Woman great Wonder things. Woman. He Lazarus. did a Batwoman. Batwoman. He did Old Guard. He did, yeah, Lazarus. Um, he's uh, They're both still writing like No Tomorrow. Uh, Lois Lane, ending the Enemy of the State was really well received. And um, they're both really just going to keep going. Um, definitely writers just to always keep a watch out of like what they're doing and just picking it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this one is great reflection of what you're going to find when you read some of their other stuff. Yeah. And just to see them both, you know, now they're both, you know, doing their own thing, but you know, in a time and space when they had the opportunity to collab, this is what they could accomplish. And it's one of the best non Batman omnibus out there. DC is right. probably one of the best DC omnibus, honestly. Yeah, it's always in like a top 10 on yeah. run. So it's very, very popular. Yeah, it's, you know, the Eisner and Harvey award winning series. <laughs> and it just got reprinted, I think, last. I think this That's came out. True. The reprint came out last year. That's so, true. Um, you know, it's, it's more easy and attainable to get. So we definitely encourage you to pick it up or it can be read digitally as well. Wherever you can buy, uh, find it or get a hold of it and read it, we recommend it. Um, any closing remarks? No, just this is still one of my favorites, and it was worthy of a second read, which is how I yeah. judge a lot of books. Is <laughs> Absolutely, definitely one to keep on the shelf and revisit, or just share it with other friends and hopefully they return. Pass it on. All right, this has been another great episode of Bam Pow Comic Hour. This is your host Andrew Glenn and Chris Ramos signing off. Goodbye.